1: It's Dragon Con time. That's right. It is time for Dragon Con coverage to start here on NeedlessThingsSite.com and the Needless Things podcast. Uh, I actually already started earlier this week with my uh, review of the progress report. The progress report was a little behind this year. Uh, Last year, they kind of had it out on time. Everything was cool. This year came out right at the end of the month. Uh, and I, I don't know if it's online yet or not as I record this, but you can go to your local Atlanta comic book shop and pick up a copy, uh hard copy on paper, printed on paper. What? They still do that? Yes, because it's a comic book shop. That's what they live on. Uh, but it's out there. I reviewed it. And uh I, I am speaking as though I did it in the past, because to you guys it will be the past, but to me it's the future, because I haven't written it yet. I will do so uh this weekend, which to you is last weekend. It's all very confusing when you live in a world of podcasting and websites. Uh, I want to remind you, you can find Needless Things Podcast on iTunes and Stitcher or listen to it directly on NeedlessThingsSite.com, uh, where you can find reviews of toys, movies, music, and all kinds of other good stuff that we nerds love and enjoy. Speaking of things that we nerds love and enjoy, it's Dragon Con time, as I mentioned before, and this has uh, become a kind of a tradition to do a bunch of Dragon Con podcasts, because this is the second year I've done it so you know that's a tradition right yeah yeah I'm very excited about today's uh, my intent had been to cover cosplay last year uh, for Dragon Con and then cover some kind of different subject this year and I decided that cosplay is is too important a facet of Dragon Con to not cover it every year so today's podcast I I have a couple of returning favorites And a new guy who is new to you guys, maybe, but not so new to me, uh, Sean Patton of SMP Design, is here. Great talker, a man of absolutely incredible talent and intelligence and knowledge, and so willing, eager, and happy to share his knowledge. Uh, I've had so many conversations with him about costuming and cosplay as a matter of fact uh it was HeroesCon last year that he sparked off my desire to learn more about costumes uh, and how they're made and and how people wear them and deal with them he's just a brilliant guy so much fun to listen to and i'm really excited that i finally get him on the podcast but that's not all we also have my lovely co-host, Mr. Bo Brown, who is longtime friends uh, with Mr. Sean Patton, and the lovely and talented DJ Spider, who is, quite frankly, you, you hear a, a ray of light, a beam of sunshine, but she really is a, a bright, shining light in the nerd community, a, a beacon of positivity, just absolutely delightful lady, uh, and, and talented in many ways, not just in costuming, but in, uh, putting together music for nerds and regular folks to dance to. If she's not spinning one night at Dragon Con, the convention's not going to be the same. And that's no hyperbole. It's fact. If, if I can't get to a late night DJ Spider session in one of the ballrooms, it's, it's not going to be the same convention. Uh, she, she just puts together the best mixes, and you can find them. Uh, she mentions her website in the podcast, and I'll have it up in the show notes. But you really need to go and check out some of her mixes. They're incredible, and they make great driving music. So if you're coming in from out of town, you can put these things on your MP3 player or your 8-track or your tape cassette or whatever your favorite mode of listening to music is. Listen to them while you're coming in town. They will get you nerded and hyped up sufficiently. Uh, but we have just an absolutely great conversation really more about dragon con than about costuming specifically but that's how these things go you sit down you start talking and you just kind of go with what's interesting we had a great time so it is time now for me to pitch my very first panel uh of the year for dragon con now i've already talked about this a little bit i, I did a write-up about it on needlessthingsite.com dot com. I'm very excited, you guys, because here's what happened. I was talking to Gary Mitchell of the Dragon Con American Sci-Fi Classics track. Uh, Gary Mitchell and Joe Crow are the guys that run the track. They're the guys who have embraced me and what I do and have given me the opportunity to shine like a, a purple sun at DragonCon. And I, I love those guys. So I'm talking to Gary one night, and I throw him this idea that I had about doing, kind of getting a group of people together. Everybody brings their own piece of slash fic or erotic fan fiction or whatever. And we sit around, we have adult beverages, and we try to crack each other up and and try not to crack up while reading these things. Because if you have any experience with with fan fiction on the internet, it's some pretty wild shit. Uh, I can't keep a street face. Street face? I can't keep a street face ever. I've got no street cred whatsoever. Uh, no, I can't keep a straight face reading uh, fanfiction to myself, uh, let alone trying to read, read it aloud and enthusiastically to a group of people. So I was telling Gary about this, and I said, you know, we should do a game show where people have to read it. Kind of just joking. I mean, I, I never imagined it would go anywhere, and he said, that's a great idea, and then very shortly after he said we're doing it your game show, it's happening and I said wow Uh, and there is another facet to what's going on Uh, Saturday night at 10pm is when the game show starts Uh, something else is going on after that but I'll talk about that on the next episode for now, just know Saturday night, 10pm in the American Sci-Fi Classics track room Whose F is it anyway? And here's the deal. This game show, which starts at 10 p.m., is hosted by Phantom Troublemaker, me, and Miss Lady Flex of Lay Sexoflex. We will have three judges, we will have surprises, we will have guests, we will have tons of slash and erotic fan fiction, and we will have members of the audience being pulled up to participate in the dirtiest, wildest, and weirdest game show you've ever seen. Uh, Right now, it's going to be gong show style. Think gong show. Uh, Right now, the sponsors are belligerentmonkey.com, Stardust slash Insurrection Atlanta, uh, probably Insurrection by the time everything goes down, and we're going to have some crazy, crazy prizes. I can't tell you what they are right now, but I know what they are, and I can guarantee you that you've never seen like this there's some crazy stuff you guys so that's announcement number one for Phantom Troublemaker and Needless Things at Dragon Con. whose F is it anyway 10pm Saturday night in the American Sci-Fi Classics panel uh, room now that's exciting enough lots of other stuff is going on at DragonCon I've got several other panels that I'm on uh, a couple that I have, don't have confirmed yet but I'm excited to find out Uh, I've got one more major event happening Saturday night. Uh, Lots of exciting stuff that I'm going to cover over the course of the next few podcasts leading up to Dragon Con. So Dragon Con's a big deal. We're all excited. One more thing I want to mention because I didn't have the opportunity to on last week's podcast. If you have not bought Mandatory Fun, the new Weird Al album yet, go buy it now, download it, go buy a physical copy. I bought a physical copy because I still like to have physical copies, and this is probably the last one that Al is going to put out in that form. Uh, it was his last uh, contract album. So from here on out, he's probably just going to release everything online via digital download. So I wanted to have a booklet and a thing that I could hold in my hands to remember as like, wow, this was this was the last cd al put out but it's amazing it's it's probably his best album since off the deep end in my opinion uh and it is competing with polka party for my favorite weird al album overall it's magnificent and even the two songs on it that i'm not as crazy about uh which are the the sports song and uh mission statement which is like a Crosby, Stills and Nash thing, which I didn't even realize. But uh, director Faber from the ESO Network said, "Oh, I I, mean, I love that one because I'm a huge CSN fan, and I didn't even know what the fuck a CSN was. I had to Google CSN, and then like three entries down, it said Crosby, Stills and Nash, and I was like, Oh, right, okay, because I don't like I don't like hippie music, and even though it's weird, Al doing it, and it's funny, and it's ironic because it's like a corporate mission statement." done to the tune of hippie music. It's still hippie music. So, like, it's genius and it's so well done, like all of his style parodies. But, uh, you know, I don't want to hear it. I've listened to it maybe a couple of times and I'll I'll probably skip it mostly, but the album is absolutely fantastic. Uh, there's a pixie style parody, Southern culture on the skid style parody, which I think lame claim to fame. I mean, honestly, that's kind of my song anyway. Uh, I love that one. And then there's a Foo Fighters one, uh, My Own Eyes, that just like every Foo Fighters song has stuck in my head, uh, along with everything else on the album. I mean, I'm, I'm not aware of pop music in the way that I was 20 years ago, but this is awesome stuff that's just perfection. So right now, uh, I'm going to once again remind you, com is where you can find all the written stuff. You can stream the podcast directly from NeedlessThingsSite.com, and you can find reviews of toys, movies, music, wrestling, comic books, uh, all kinds of pop culture stuff. You can also listen to us on iTunes and Stitcher. But right now, you can listen to Lame Claim to Fame from Mr. Weird Al Yankovic's newest album, Mandatory Fun. And then we're going to go straight into the conversation with DJ Spider, with Sean Patton of SMP Designs, and of course, with Mr. Bo Brown. Hit it. <laughs> everybody welcome to the Needless Things podcast and it is time to talk to some awesome people about some costuming. My plan had been uh, last year to focus on costuming for my Dragon con coverage but I couldn't just focus on it for one year because there's uh, one as I mentioned over and over again last year, it's such a huge part of any con. Uh, it's something that I feel is is absolutely vital and there's so many people to talk to and so much to cover. That we're going to talk about it again, because these are awesome people who do awesome things. And I've got quite an episode for you tonight. First of all, I am thrilled to have my co-host, your friend and mine, Mr. Bo Brown, back on the show. Welcome to the show, Bo.
2: Hey, everybody. It's
1: good to be back. It's it's wonderful to have you here, and, and this is a special night because you know our guests, uh, and, and I think this I is going to end up being a really fun conversation uh, but before we get to our guest, Bo, tell us a little bit about yourself. Your what you're doing now, and and you. I mean, you've got a costume history as well.
2: Yeah, um, I really sort of got into uh, conventions through through costuming, um, and I, I have since. Some I am some basically retired um, from the costuming community. Uh, I have moved forward into focusing more on puppet uh, puppet theater and puppet film. And TV stuff. Um, but costuming is still, uh, in my heart and I, I love it dearly and wish that, uh, someday t- I have a couple of ideas that might be worth coming out of retirement for. Um, <laughs> it's just the, the things that I do before dragon con are so consuming that the, the, that build time is just kind of not there. Well, and but, you um, still
1: do costumes. They're just much, much smaller.
2: They're smaller and they only fit on my hand. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, but but I, I uh, do – I'm the p- puppetry track director for Dragon Con as well as the curator and host for the National Puppet Slam, which is happening the same weekend as Dragon Con this year. Oh, no. I am – yes. Uh, and I am the uh, curator and host of the Puck and Puppet Show, which is Atlanta's local uh, Puppet Slam. And uh, I am also the puppetry programming director for the Atlanta Film Festival. Many, many hats. Many hats. Many, many hats. Some of
1: some of them uh Well no, they're Small all width. pretty big. I mean yeah. you you're constantly uh, your workload's a little absurd.
2: My it's it's stupid, is what which it is. Which is
1: why uh, we don't always have the pleasure of your presence here on
2: the No, and it's why you still don't have my my last two Masters of the Universe classics reviews, which all I have to do is is decide where the pictures go in between the words and that's the only thing that's preventing me from finishing just send me
1: the pictures i'll put them in there i can Ah, figure it out i should i should i i have that much i'm not totally professional and good at running a website but i can stick pictures in the right places
2: okay and i will just send them to you because they're done awesome
1: and and on that note knowing already we've hyped the website needlessthingsite.com where you can find bo brown's reviews of the masters of universe classics figures and now it's time to move on to our wonderful guest tonight. First, I want to welcome back to the show DJ Spider. It's wonderful to have you back.
3: Hello, darling. How are you? I'm
1: doing fantastic. I'm excited to be talking to everybody tonight. What uh hey. what what's going on with you? How how are your Big Dragon Con plans progressing?
3: Um, there are currently 8 separate boxes in my craft room that are dedicated to costumes for myself other people that all need to be finished sometime between now and, um, I guess six weeks from
1: now. Oh my gosh. <laughs>
3: there's, a, there's a little bit of, um, chaotic pressure, uh, going on, uh, right now. Some things are just small, little, little pieces like a accessory, but there are a couple, at least two to three full builds that need to happen. So it's, it's motivation at this point that, and caffeine that are my friends.
1: <laughs> what, uh, do you work? well when it comes down to the crunch like when the pressure's on are you like okay now now the creativity is flowing and it has to be done or is it just kind of like that's how it works out
3: you know i used to be really good at it i used to be a little all-nighters all of the time and since then i was working full-time and since i've been um working for the last year or so i've been sort of a noodler i've been like yeah i'll work on that for a little bit now yeah i'll go Oh, look at that. Look what's on Food Network. Let's go make a pie. <laughs> you know, next thing you know, there's like six pies cooling in the kitchen. And then I just kind of wander back to the craft room. So I've lost a little bit of that urgency because I feel like I have all that free time. But now looking at the calendar, it's kind of become a, a little bit. I'm starting to get back into beast mode, I guess. <laughs> but at
1: least at least you do have that where you get a little bit done at a time as opposed to just waiting until like the whole thing is like, oh, I've got to do it now.
3: Right. And for the most part everything I have left is pretty straightforward and simple. I picked projects or I'm working on projects for people that are a little bit more complicated than I than I usually take on. Um, I swear next year I'm never making another glove and I'm never ever doing piping again for anything <laughs> as I live. That's pretty much where I stand on that that matter right now. Um, but I still have I still have to get it done for this year. So you know, you just keep you just keep churning on. It's just knowing that the payoff is going to be seeing it all walking around drag time. Right. Yeah,
1: yeah. That's uh and you've you've already got you've got one definite for Dragon Con right now.
3: As far as as, as, as far as
1: your your schedule. Oh,
3: as far as, oh, as, far as my yes. schedule. Yeah, other outside of like photo shoots, I'll be DJing um for the at the Aquarium, uh the Georgia will be my third year uh coming back for that. And I'm very excited about that cuz that's just a fun beat party and there's really nothing like seeing a bunch of people do a conga line to you know, Harry Belafonte, (laughs) you know, at the aquarium uh, from my perch. But it's also fun seeing all the seagoing costumes that come out. Everybody comes out to shoot because they're just great scenery that you can shoot with.
2: Can't beat Um, it.
3: And you've got, you know, giant fish tanks. You've got all the Bioshock stuff that comes out. Plus you've got, you know, every member of, you know, the Aquaman family that will show up. Um, And then you have the silly costumes that show up that just crack me up. I think the first year, my favorite costume uh, was a friend of mine that showed up as the Gorton's fisherman, and <laughs> the most brilliant thing I think I'd ever seen at the aquarium.
1: <laughs> That's awesome. So uh,
3: yeah, so it's it's fun to see what comes out. Everybody has a good time. It's great for the kids. I think they have a blast around. Um, and it's it's fun. It's you know, there's the prep time and and you know, costing and everything for that for myself as well. But it's uh it's fun. I'm looking forward to it. And that is
1: that is a very special event because one, the Georgia Aquarium is just gorgeous. Uh, and to what you said about the kids, like Dragon Con in general, I wouldn't recommend as being particularly kid friendly, but the,
2: the aquarium event. Have you seen the progress report? Uh, no, I've not yet. Cause it's, it is definitely the kid friendly, like the cover is kids high fiving stormtroopers.
1: Oh, wow. Well, and you know, during the day, especially now that we have the puppetry track, there is a lot more to recommend. Yeah. for the younger kids, but uh, as far as the evening, you know, activities and particularly the parties and stuff, there's not a whole lot that's quite as, as quite the same as the aquarium event.
3: No, it's it's really neat to see the families come out, because you'll get the family costuming that comes out, plus they're doing the costume contest like they did last year, so, you know, to see the, there are always great costumes that show up, you know, it's, it's Dragon Con, there's going to yeah. be costuming regardless, yeah. and that's, you know, one of the reasons that I like going but uh, the seeing the kids and seeing their faces light up when they you know they come back and they've seen the sharks in the shark tank or they saw the whale sharks swimming or they see the big giant manta rays doing you know slow little backflips through bubbles it's it's just really it kind of reinvigorates you a little bit and makes you feel a little bit better about humanity.
2: <laughs> yeah, my my job at the center uh, part of what I do at the center for charts is I do uh, cross promotions between th- between other Atlanta like touristy places. And my biggest sort of relationship I build is the aquarium because I like to go to the aquarium. So I work really hard on that relationship. So I have a reason to go for free. (laughs) Nice. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And finally, speaking of costuming no matter what, we have Sean Patton, SMP, SMP Productions. Uh, Designs. designs. Why do I – I always want to say productions, which makes no sense because you – well, you are producing things, though. It's not, it's uh, not totally well, yeah. incorrect, but uh, <laughs> Sean, I've been wanting to have you on for a while. We had a fantastic conversation at last year's Heroes Con, uh, and we got to do a Q&A for the Dragon Con stuff, but I haven't actually been able to have you on the podcast before. I'm thrilled to have you here. Uh, welcome, and tell us a little bit about yourself.
4: Well, thanks. It's a it's a pleasure to finally get to uh do one of these recordings and also to uh get to do one with uh, both um Spider and Bo, who I have known hey. for years and years and years. So um Not that old. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um Yeah. Well everything's going fine on my end. I I'm actually sitting here in my living room recording this surrounded by half built old Republic armor. Uh so it's it is spilled out of the studio and followed me home. At this point um, and I'm sure we'll continue to do so over the next several weeks um, but everything's going good I mean I'm happy with what's going on right now and um, and the way things are turning out so it's just um, gonna be buckling down and getting it all finished up at this point
1: what what is your is there any kind of average as far as projects you take on specifically for Dragoncon do you have a number in mind or is it more based around the difficulty of each project or how how do you, how do you balance that?
4: Uh, well for me, it kind of, yeah, I kind of have to take the, the complexity of things into account of course, but I, um, I'll top out. I think the most I've ever done in one year was 10 and, um, over the course of the summer. So I'll start on things around, usually around March, Um, I'll cut off taking any new orders the first of June and then it's just, it's just running through it there. I I think this year I'm up at like maybe seven, six or seven, but three of them are pretty complicated. So yeah, it's, there's some head scratching going on in my studio these days.
1: (laughs) Now, what's your, what's your process when you're putting something together like that? Do you once you sit down and actually kind of create a, a plan for a costume, do you have a fairly good idea of how complex it is? Do you often find yourself surprised far into the process, like, oh my gosh, this is gonna end up being a lot, you know, more difficult than I thought? How how good a handle do you have on it at the beginning?
4: Well, I I try to think about um, you know, techniques. Anytime somebody asks me for something and sends me start sending me reference materials and things like that, I always try to pin down exactly what they want, like how complicated they want to get with it, you know, do they want to be, do they want it to be, like, right off the page, do they want it to be, you know, kind of conceptualized a little bit, I always try to get them to send me snapshot themselves so I can see, you know, what it's going to be, you know, who it's going to be on, and all that kind of stuff. Um, And I, I try to pin down as many of those details, you know, right off the bat before I even commit to something. But, um but yeah, I mean, I'll look at something and kind of rifle through the memory banks and go, okay, well for that bit, we can do this or for that bit, we can do, you know, that technique or I can, you know, call on, you know, my fabricator friend over here to help with that piece or, you know, that kind of thing. So, uh, yeah, I mean, you, you have to kind of dissect something, um, and deconstruct it, um, in the beginning, uh, before you, you start attacking it. It's, Otherwise, you're just going to, like, spin wheels and waste a lot of materials.
1: So you're, but you're in a pretty good place right now. Like, you feel comfortable with, with what you've got going on for this year's con.
4: Well, you know, Knockwood, yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. I don't want you to, don't commit to that answer, but, uh, yeah. In general, just Nobody's good. ever, yeah. You, you know, um, uh, yeah, you know, I don't want to tempt fades <laughs> right, or right. anything like that, but, but, um, but yeah, I mean, things are going pretty well so far. Um, there's a few um, adjustments in, in some plans that need to be made, but nothing that's you know insurmountable at this point. Um, everything looks like it's moving forward fairly steadily, so I'm I'm pleased at this point. For six weeks out, um, I'm not at panic. You know, I'm I'm pretty good. If I'm not if I'm not panicked six weeks out, I figure I'm way ahead of the game. Sure. So, <laughs> so
1: it sounds like everybody's kind of. At the very least,
4: uh, kind of got things under control. Well, this is yeah, this is crunch time. You know, it's 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 like any big. Even though I don't, you know, I'm not running a, a track, or I'm not, you know, I'm I don't do like the tables and things like that. I do have a lot of people kind of involved in it, and I do coordinate them to get their photos done and everything like that. And it's like any big you know, trade show, basically you, you get down to the wire and no matter how much planning you've done all through the year, it still comes down to that like last six weeks and you're always crunched. It's always a crunch, but you know, I, I, for one, and I think these other two here, we all kind of thrive on that kind of stuff. So it's sort of when we come alive.
1: Well, and as you mentioned, you guys all have a history together. You've all known each other for, uh, for relatively, uh, Long amount of time. How did you guys first meet? How wh- what did your how'd you, how did you come together?
3: Oof! Um, I want to say that I first got to know Bo through the SCF, which is the Superhero Costuming Forum, and I think the first really big example of his work was the work that he did with Alan on this eight foot Sasquatch, which was enormous
0: in orange,
3: and seeing that progress. You know, just come together, just he he immediately escalated to this area of like not worthy. I'm so not worthy. (laughs) Um, and you know, and it's just been conversations online, and then of course, meeting at at, whenever we had free time. And Sean, I want to say, I got to know through Ricky, um, Ricky Lacody, also known as Riddle. Um, I want to say that I know him through her, but I can't remember if we met first. We also met.
4: We we met a couple of times through um, Brian and Bo at Dragon Con, and then we really kind of got to know each other that first year at Heroes Con when I came with with uh, Donio.
0: Oh, um, gotcha. And we ran okay. all that.
4: We ran all this stuff. That's when we really got to know each other um, well. Then, and then Bo actually interned. For me when he to. was in college. <laughs> <laughs> Bo, when he was a sophomore in college, he was my he was an intern for me at the uh, at the theatrical supply house. Oh um, wow! That I used to work in, and so I, yeah, I've known. I've known Bo since since he was baby Bo. That was a wee thing. We built uh, the, the costumes for the Stone
2: Mountain uh, Railway. That's right. The, blue, the Big Blueberry. <laughs> big Blueberry, yeah. They had this guy um, who... His shtick was that he was a big fat guy, and he was supposed to pull all these zany props out of his overalls. But they actually cast a big giant fat guy, which meant that we couldn't... M- Make the suit any bigger to fit the all of the various things that he had to pull out of it inside of it, so what it, it would have made more sense to have cast a slightly less fat guy so that there would have been some room to work with sure sure <clears throat> um, he was like pulling sledgehammers and dynamite
4: and you know all, all sorts of stuff out of there, and we were just like we just we just can't make it any bigger <laughs> it was hilarious, it really was it it was nuts I mean that thing was what what did it end up being like? It was was like 68 inches. We had to we had to like special order from Mm -hmm. like somewhere overalls that were big enough to fit like two like a doubled hula hoop inside. So it it was like 68, 70 inches around, something like that. It was it was crazy. Yeah, it was really crazy. And then we built Beauty and the Beast. That was the next big project. Remember that? Yeah, lots of closed cell foam going into that one. Yep. Yeah, I brought my, my mascot-making skills to the table
2: um, yeah. there and was getting to build some cool stuff.
1: Now, when you say Beauty and the Beast, are you talking literal Disney Beauty and the Beast, or was this a different version? What What were you guys having to work with on that?
4: It, it was the Disney version. We were building yeah. it for a high school and also for stock for the shop. But, yeah, it was the Disney. The Disney yeah, so stock. it was you know the, cupboard, the, the wardrobe and the,
2: and the clock guy, Cogsworth and, and Lumiere and all that stuff. So it was a great project. I mean, a lot of the a lot of interesting design challenges. You know, making the candles look like something. You know, uh, Sean made the. I think that the pendulum inside Cogsworth worked, and yeah, mm-hmm. um, that when the cupboard, when the wardrobe opened up, there was clothes inside that came out, and. Yeah, it was, I, and I love that stuff. I love interesting design challenges.
3: I love I love when you look back and it's, oh, it was an interesting design challenge. But at the time, it was like, what the hell? How is this supposed <laughs> yeah. to work? Now Kill
2: me now. <laughs> <challenge>. <laughs> I think one yeah. of the biggest challenges was making, was I made the Beast's mask, and making a mask that still made him look like the Beast, but he could still sing through, mm-hmm. um, was was one of the main challenges, was just like, okay, this guy's got to sing the whole show, and he can't wear a big old mask over his face.
1: Now when you guys are working in that situation versus, uh, like making a costume for somebody, do you have budgetary concerns or is it more like, look, if you want this to work, it's going to cost this much money? What, what, how, how did that work?
4: For that project, we were working within the, we were working within the, um, uh, structure of the company. Um, the company that was building it for stock. So right. what happened was they split the cost of, of building it between um, the new stock, which is what they which is their annual budget for building new pieces for stock, and uh, between the, the fees for the school. So um, you know the rental fees for the school. So that, that's how they put that together. And, um, you know, we put it all together, budgeted out, like Bo went out and researched the cost for all the clothes sell. Uh, we figured out the cost for the fabrics, what we could get from, you know, in-house that we already had in our, in our warehouse versus what we had to shop specially. Um, you know, all of that kind of thing, put that together and went back with a budget. And then it was approved, um, you know, also with the thought that over the next X years, Um, these costumes will be rented, you know, this many, you know, forecasted to rent this many times and that will, you know, they'll pay for themselves within like three shows and, you know, that kind of thing. And the way they structured the package for the rental, um, you know, you could only get like, you had to get all of the principal characters. You couldn't just get like Lumiere by himself. Right. Um, you know, that kind of thing. Because if somebody else wanted to rent it and we had everything except Lumiere, well, then we'd lose a show you know so it it was all put together that way um within you know that um the company set up that that that, particular project
1: that aspect of, of costuming and of cosplay is interesting to me because i it you know you see a costume and i think it's easy to not really think about for me i look at them and i think my gosh the time that went into that Holy cow! Because you know, hundreds of hours, depending on the project, but just the hours and hours of planning, and then of actual construction, and then of, I guess you'd call it learning lessons, where maybe you've spent, oh, yeah. ton, the, you've, the, you've spent
2: tons of up. hours on one to, thing. You have to figure in the screw up time, right? Right? Know? Yeah. So you sew something together backwards and inside out on a really tight stitch, and you've got to go back and rip that whole seam out. Like you, you always sort of have to, you know. I, I use a less Uh, you know, PG word for it, but the screw up time. We're we're Um, not uh, we're not PG here. So you say okay. Well then, you have to you have to factor in the fuck up time. Yeah, (laughs) because you will do something wrong, and then you have to go back Mm -hmm. and fix it. Or you're like, I mean, that's the treat was when you do something. You know, like oh, I'm I'm probably gonna have to go through three mock ups of this before I get it right. And then then it's a treat when you get it right on the first time and you're impressed and pleased with yourself.
3: And then it comes back to bite you in the butt because then you screw up something else ten times worse.
2: Yeah. <laughs> that you didn't even think you were going to screw up.
3: Right, that you shouldn't have even – it should have been easy. Yeah.
2: Mm-hmm. yeah. Oh, man. I, I sewed things together backwards on Etrigan so many times, and I was having to pull those stitches out of that red spandex. I was uh, – it was awful. It was, it was awful. <laughs> so,
1: you know, the, the hours that go in are a consideration – but then on top of that, just the amount of money it takes to procure all of the different elements that go into a costume. I mean, not only does it cost hours, it costs a fortune to put it together because you have to be able to wear the thing, you know, and, and if it's for something like Dragon Con, people are going to be, want to be walking around for hours in it. Uh, it's, it's got to be durable to a certain extent. I, I mean, we're talking about time and money on a scale that I think a lot of people don't necessarily appreciate. Uh, talk, talk a little bit about just some of the, I guess, larger projects that have just ended up being, like once you're done with it, you can kind of look back and think, my gosh, this was, you know, I, I did this, but this is something, a company, because uh, one of my interests is the difference between you know, you look at a movie production and the fact that they have 20, 30, however many different people building one piece of a costume for a movie and you guys are building entire costumes on your own. Uh, what, what is the different, like, what are some of the projects that have just been like, my gosh, did I really do that whole thing myself?
3: Well, I just, I just, uh, earlier this year, um, I did a complete Kristoff costume from the Disney movie uh, Frozen,
4: and, and he looked it was fabulous too. Oh, thank you! Amazing. Because I did that
3: sucker twice because <laughs> <laughs> because no, and this is what happened. This is why I look back on it, and and I I can pat myself on the back a little bit. It was a complete build. It was the boots, it was the pants, the tunic, the undershirt, the mitten, the cap. You know, lots of fur, a belt. Um, it took me about six weeks to. Pull it together six to eight weeks to, to to really pull it together. I had to learn to work with fur, and fur got everywhere because it was fur trim. It was again taking into account the fact that it was going to a guy in Florida, so I wanted to make sure it was lightweight enough for him to wear, um, and uh, that it would be comfortable to walk around it because it's going to be it was going to be a great costume for kids, you know, because they love Disney. So I tried to take all that into account. Got it built, pleated it, packed it up in a box. And then it got stolen off my front porch while it was waiting to be picked up. Oh, no. So, and the sad part about it is, is that whoever stole it probably opened it up and had no idea what it was, had Just no idea that, the amount of time or work or effort that had gone into it. Um, so I, had, I was lucky. Um, the person who commissioned it gave me the option of, of either doing it again or I could refund the money. And I'm like, you know, let me do it again because I promised it to you. So I... We built the whole costume all over again, and this was after I'd finally gotten all the fur out of every corner of my house, oh. um, and uh, got it to him again. And, and the second, the second version made it to him. I was able to make a couple of improvements that I was happy with, actually. So second time around, I feel like it came out a little bit tighter at places, but it just wasn't as much fun because You're I'd already done. done it once. So the challenge was was oh, kind of yeah. fun. It. Um, but he looked great, and then he wore it at Heroes Con, and he looked great. So I was very happy to see it out and walking around. Uh, but, you know, when I look at it, I pretty much built that costume twice, you know, using the budget that, you know, he didn't pay me twice for it. So a lot of that came out of my own pocket, my own time. Um, and uh, then later, ironically, I was poking around on Etsy and I found a similar version, just even missing a few pieces for about three times what I charged him for it. So oh my I learned gosh. my lesson there that I was like, wow, I could have, I should have charge them a lot more for that even beyond doing it twice so that's one of
2: the hardest things is yeah figuring out what you're worth you know because we're you know we're all just sort of people who came at it through various ways you know or whatever and and you don't want to be oh well my prices are blah 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 you know you want people you want to put things in people's price range so that they can actually get your product
3: exactly and a lot of times you end up being friends with these people too so yeah it- it's always hard to work mm-hmm. with friends because you want to do the right thing for them. You want to, to make them look good, but you also don't want to be the person who's kind of like, well, that'll be one million dollars, you know, and then right. you hand them a plastic bag and, you know, some duct tape. So it's a, it, it's a balancing act. It absolutely is. I have tried this past year to really try to think about doing this as a full time, you know, doing commissions. Of, Thing and I just can't do it. I'd much rather do it as a hobby. My hat is absolutely off to Sean for doing it, you know, as a as an actual profession because I just don't have the temperament for it. I nitpick over everything and and I just you know I I'm sure I undercharge for things, but you know I just I know people, so I have a hard time you know looking at them and going yeah this is going to be X amount and I'm a terrible business person that way.
4: Yeah what I what I usually what I usually try to do is when somebody sends me something like I'm working on a. On a like a convertible Captain America right now that's going to have a removable midsection, so you can make it either the stealth or the classic version, and so it's got you know different pieces, so it can I call it Captain IKEA. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and, but what I did with when the guy said that He's he got wanted the meatballs it, in his utility belt, that's right. mm, meatballs. <laughs> <Ligenberry>. um, <laughs> um, no, but what I usually try to do is is come up with, like, different, um, like, options on the design. I'll say, okay, well, we can do, you know, these fabrics, and we can have it, like, you know, with all the decorative seaming and everything like that, it's going to cost this. Or we can simplify it and do this version, and it's going to cost this. You know, you can have the two midsections, or you can just do the one solid one. So I'll try to come up with different ways to, to get the costume together and give them options to pick on depending on what their budget is. Um... Most of the time, I don't I, I don't talk to people about doing things. The, the word screen accurate comes out of somebody's mouth, and I'm like, okay, well, you're like, how much have you got, basically? Right. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, because it, it's virtually impossible to do that. I have a friend who's working on a a new comic book movie right now, and he's telling me like, you would not believe the stuff that goes into this that's going into this thing. I mean, he's in the fabrication shop for it, and he's like. It's it, he goes. My hat goes off to any poor schlub on the R, on the uh, the uh, RPF who thinks they're going to pull this one off because it's crazy.
1: Well, and um, that's Sean. You and I have had a number of talks uh, about different aspects of costuming, but one one of the things I really enjoyed was when we talked about the screen accurate stuff at Heroes Con because I think a lot of people don't understand that screen accurate you you're actually talking about, you know, 10 different costumes.
4: Oh right, you're looking at you're looking at one thing but it's there's 10 different of them. Yeah. And they're uh, usually nowadays, especially with, you know, um the superhero movies and the comic book movies, they're so heavily altered in post-production that you you can't you know, you can't say that that's what it is. And I mean, you think about think about something like um like um Black Widow from um, the Avengers, like that suit she wore, the hero suit she's in was not like I read was not functional at all. Like right. it was not, you know, she could not do any of that like squatting and posing and stuff like that in, in that suit. So they had, you know, action suits and then they had mm-hmm. background suits and then they had, you know, you know, different hero suits. If you look at it, her collar actually changes like three times in the movie in that suit. So, so yeah, there, there's no way to do that. It's it's all about you've got to kind of you've got to conceptualize it a little bit, um, and uh, and and make it so that it's workable, you know, so that yeah, it can the, exist the in the real world. The costume
2: In talking about that exact thing, the costume I always reference for that is is the live action tick costume <clears throat> from the TV show because depending on the shot. He had a different costume. There were like, you know, s- several different suits. Some that had no pants, so that he didn't have to wear the pants if the shot wasn't above the waist. Yeah. You know, if the shot was from the back, then the the seams went up the front of the the went up the front of the costume. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If the shot was from the front, then the seams went down the back of the costume because it was that costume is so specific that it has no seams anywhere on it because the tick is magic or whatever. <laughs> you know. <laughs> and never they, pees. They, 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 yeah they just had to it had to be different for every it had there were specific suits for different camera angles.
1: that's interesting. I hadn't even thought about the tick my my go to is usually uh the Michael keaton Batman, where if you look at production stuff, you can see the big giant seam up the back of his mask or you can see the big seams under the armpit and they they would switch suits depending on the camera angle yep. so that you wouldn't see certain seams and but like Sean was saying. Now in movies, they just CGI that stuff out. Yeah. I mean that, that's, if you look at Winter Soldier, if you look at production photos of Winter Soldier, his arm is just this, like, it looks totally, it doesn't look anything like what you saw in the movie because in the movie, the arm is totally CG because there's all those moving parts and the plates are all shifting. It's, it's a whole different thing now, I think, to figure out how to make a movie style costume. And that that's fascinating to me. How well
0: I think how you guys key, would approach
4: it. I think the key words there that you just said are movie style, costume. Um, you know, I'm a big fan of of making things your own and kind of you know Absolutely. reimagining them. Especially when you're talking about things from a comic book or anime or you know a, an animated movie, something like that. You know, an artist can draw anything; they can render anything in CG. Um, and uh but you can't actually make that exist in, you know, the real and world. I think that's so more interesting
2: anyway. It is. You know. Exactly. I, you know, it's like he's like, oh wow, it's another Superman. You know. But yeah. then like I love this the, the, the inspired by movement. I love that stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean obviously the TARDIS dress is sort of like the the, the most, I think, well known, you know, uh, version of that, of the inspired by costume. But like, I love that stuff. I love seeing not just the, the slaves to the source material people, but the people who are bringing their own creativity to the table.
1: Well, I wish you could have been at the time Lord party Friday night. Um, I, I, hosted a costume contest, uh, this past Friday night at a big time Lord party here in Atlanta. And you wouldn't think there were so many different ways to interpret a big blue box. <laughs> but my gosh, I I don't know that I've ever seen so much creativity on display. Yeah. That we we had forty-three entrants in the contest and I would say twenty five of them were various TARDIS interpretations. And my gosh, we uh we had uh one girl actually the a uh, girl that co-hosted the contest with me did a half TARDIS, half Dalek costume that was yes. just incredible. And, uh, like, the that's... You're right. That inspired by... The creativity involved in that is so interesting. But really, just the... Even if you're trying to create something that looks like what's on the movie screen, but figuring out how to do it in the real world in a costume that somebody's going to wear for ten hours at a time, like, all of that stuff is so just wild to me, the fact that you guys' brains can work that way.
0: Well, well the brains the kind of pick
3: it up sometimes as you move along, too, because you might be halfway through something, and you're like, oh, you know what would be awesome? If I put a pocket in this. Because <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
2: <laughs> get a pocket. There. Man.
3: There's a lot of reverse engineering that sometimes goes on when, you're, when you finally get down to it, because you can, you can plan for everything, but then sometimes you have somebody who's commissioned a costume, and they ask you last minute for something. You know, there's always like, oh, I just realized that, you know, blank, I need to, to have this. So you, you sometimes have to go back through and go, oh, okay, well, you, you broke your arm. Okay, so we need to make sure that you can get in and out of it, you know, a different way than I was originally going to do it. So if you're lucky, they get to you before it uh, gets too out of control um, or you're too deep into the process of making it. But it's uh, it, I think what I like most about it is that every time I make a new costume, I learn something new. I learn a new skill. I, I pick up a new challenge, and I like the challenging costumes. I'm kicking myself right now for it. But in general, I do like the challenging costumes because it does make me think a little bit harder. Otherwise, it's just, you know, you're Kmart. You're just churning out, you know, suit that, you know, you can pick up off the shelf or off the rack. And that's, that's no fun. Um, I, I like the I, – I absolutely agree. I think the inspired by movement is awesome. As long as there is some creativity behind it, you know, putting on a red – Bra and black panties does not make you Harley Quinn. You know there has to be a little bit <laughs> yeah. more. You know, yeah, yeah. That that makes me go, oh, that's clever. Oh, that's you know, that's smart. You know, or when they when they pick up some sort of of really small reference on something and then they take it to the next level. Um, I remember a few years ago, DragonCon, four guys set up a fence at the bottom of the Marriott escalator and sat there with a the cooler. And it took me about five minutes to figure out what the heck they were doing. And they were the guys from King of the Hill. <laughs> they stood in jeans and, you know, tank tops and coolers and drank beer in front of a fence and just watched everybody go by. And it was simple and effective and brilliant and fun. But it's that minute where you're just like, No, that's good, because I wouldn't have thought of that, but they've taken it and they own it and they're having fun with it. But it's simple and it's easy. And those kind of the little pop culture preferences, those little surprises, that's what I love about Dragon Con. I never no matter how many customers I know, I never know what I'm gonna see and what I'm gonna run into. It's my favorite thing. If I could just people watch the entire time if I wasn't so busy. i just people watch. I'd plant my butt at a bar, and I would just watch people. Die. This
1: this is a good segue because I was going to bring this up with you guys, and I'm going to blow I, – I, I'm sorry to do this. I'm going to blow it out of the water right at the start. I want to ask you guys about some of the more memorable things you've seen at Dragon Con, but I'm going to start with mine with one of the most mind-blowing costumes I've ever seen at any con anywhere – Was the guys last year that made the camouflage BDUs that matched the Marriott carpet?
3: Oh, the notorious, notorious Marriott! My gosh,
1: that I mean, to even come up with that and think of it is insane. And it's not a character; it's not. You know, they weren't. All they did was say, "Wow, look at this hideous carpet." Let's make some camo to blend into that. And it was genius. I it I, I don't as long as I live, that's always gonna stick out in my mind as brilliance. What what are some things you guys have seen? Like what's a costume that's that's really just stuck in your mind like that.
3: Oh so many. Um I still think the Sasquatch that Alan and Bo built uh Four or five years ago is still super impressive because it was eight feet tall and probably, what, six feet wide?
4: It yeah, was, it
2: was, it was huge. It I mean, was, it was, a, it, it was a death trap and a torture machine. You could, you could do about 20 <laughs> minutes in it where you wanted to kill yourself. But <laughs> you, that 20 minutes, 20 minutes of glory.
3: <laughs> totally worth it. But he could walk yeah. in it. I mean, he was able to be somewhat mobile in it. You know, that was just, just mind boggling to me, uh, at the time. Um, I think anybody that pulls together any sort of costume and they stay in character the entire time, I think that's fantastic because I can never keep up with a group of people at con for any length of time. So if you can keep four people around you to stay in character the entire time, my hat's off to you because everybody else I know is so scattered and so distracted. There's no way to do that.
1: You know, I'd I'd say even one person, even even going solo and staying in character like that, because that is kind of the essence of the difference between cosplay and costuming. Mm-hmm. I think cosplay yeah. is actually... Cosplay is an act. It's right. A, it's a show. And the people, oh. like, as much as... If you go to Dragon Con this year, you're going to see at least 30 Captain Jack Sparrows. But chances
2: well, are... I don't know. I think that's kind of... I think that wave kind of ridden its I don't, course.
1: I don't know, man. I we'll We'll find out. But even though you're going to see tons of Jack Sparrows, the guys walking around doing the full act all the time... That's impressive. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like that takes a lot of energy to maintain. That and Rob, um, yeah, yeah. yeah, and Rob, yes, <laughs> and or like Stan the Zombie. I, I'm sure you guys have seen Stan the Zombie, who's the zombie guy that walks around, always in character, photo bombs all over the place, and like you're gonna you see him all weekend long. Do you guys know what I'm talking about? Yeah, uh, it's it's crazy. He's I've never seen him out of character and yet I'll see him 30 times over the weekend. And like, that's impressive to me. The people that really commit to their costumes. Uh, Bo, what, what is a, what is a particularly wild costume you've seen? That was just, man, I'm trying to remember.
2: I mean, you know, especially in the last couple of years, it's been harder to, to get out and, and see stuff. Um, but I mean, I love the joke costumes. You know, um, I, I love that stuff. I like I like the the that you can tell that's the, the what I call low impact costumes, where you know it's 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 a it's not a torture to be in it. It's it's a I'm going to get hammered in this costume, and it, because it's com- comfortable and easy, <laughs> um, I, I know that. And this isn't this is a, a costume that a, a costume group that I did. It's not something that I saw, but. One year we did a low impact group of uh, uh, anti mutant protesters from X Men, <laughs> and so we just dressed like Hicks and we made picket signs that said like No muties in our schools, die mutie scum, uh, you know all that. And we just wandered, we just got hammered and wandered around until we found some X Men and then we're dicks to them, <laughs> and it was awesome. And of course the X Men were all about it. They were like, Oh yeah, you know they they loved it and they got into it. And we were just dressed like people. You know, and 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 had had every excuse to be drunk and belligerent, (laughs) and it was great, and it was super fun, and nobody was like, oh, I'm so hot, I want to get out of this. You know, yeah, yeah. Um, Everybody, it was just a great walk around, fun, you know, staying in character and being jerks, you know, and then and then add that to you know Dragon Con's history of protest, people protesting the convention, sure, you know that we're all going to hell and all that kind of crap. So it had a couple of different levels. Um, yeah, man, that was, that was super fun. Um, and, and definitely my favorite low impact costume. I think the other one I did was little Nemo. Um, and I was just in a nightgown (laughs) with a pillow (laughs) (laughs) and, uh, and, and, and Nate was flip and Whitney was the princess of of, of the dream world um, that was a fun little one and the only thing about it though was nobody understood it because it was so obscure yeah uh, the only people who got it were comic book artists. so we wanted to take <laughs> it down to the artist alley and and but our schedules sort of never it never worked out to, to do the nighttime costuming time and when the artist alley was open, it, it just sort of never worked out but uh, I, I really would have loved to have gotten a sketch of the three of us by an artist who would have been the me who would have immediately been like oh my god your McKay Little Nemo that's comic book history 101 you know um, kind of stuff uh, so yeah the, the low impact costumes are definitely fun but as far as like something really amazing um, I feel like there was something I saw two years ago I can't remember what it was but I remember thinking oh yeah man that's clever that's cool uh, I don't know no, it's, nothing's nothing's jump into mind I, I have liked uh, Chris Donio's idea of doing the the walls of the Death Star
1: <laughs> and just standing behind stormtroopers
2: yeah he wanted he wanted to do yeah he wanted to do these costumes that were just like wall panels and just sort of get up behind and like get up get a stormtrooper and just sort of sneak up behind him and stand there Yeah. Uh, and then another one he wanted to do was, was, uh, King Kong's hand. <laughs> just the hand and just what, you know, and just like go after girls yeah, with yeah. giant hand and, you know, um, just sort of photo op costumes that lend yeah. themselves to, to not just, Hey, check out my costume photo op, but oh my God, that's hilarious. I want a picture, uh, photo op.
1: I wonder if you could build that wall panel almost like one of those, uh, you know, the, the flying, spandex suits that have the, the wings between the wrists and the ankles. Mm. So you can just walk around, and then when you find a stormtrooper, you just splay yourself out, and the graphics yeah. of the, the Death Star are on that. Mm-hmm. But, uh so, Sean, is there anything particularly memorable for you, like something you've seen and just thought, wow, you, you just blew my mind with that?
4: Well, <clears throat> I don't know. I, not... Not that I can think of. I mean, I've seen tons of really amazing stuff. Um, but to be kind of non-specific, I have to say anybody who does and pulls off like anything from Assassin's Creed or anything Square Enix, simply they get my vote just for having the tenacity and the stamina to get through all the bajillion little pieces that all of those things have. It's like, I've done some Final Fantasy pieces and I'm like, thanks Square Enix for Fucking up my universe. <laughs> I'm like, oh my god! And they look, they look simple, but when you start looking at them, they have a gajillion little widgets and you know little things and random shit. stuff. Yeah, and it's like, good god, please just kill me. So, yeah, I think any anybody who does that is uh, they get a total kudos for me just for getting through it, basically. Um, and then I do have to say though that one of my favorites, which Bo, I have to tell on you. Um, because you got so excited about it and I got my picture oh, yeah? taken with them, but was the year you had the fan table for, um, the sci-fi janitors uh, and there okay. were the two guys who were dressed up. And I remember oh, I the- went by the table, I went by the table and both like, I have cosplayers. I have cosplayers. Yeah. I got to say that that was one of the most surreal things that had ever
2: happened <laughs> um, was that the sci-fi janitors cosplayers were, were nuts. And in fact, um, they a group of them. Uh, I think it was two years two years ago was what was uh, sort of at the height of our costuming fame we had we had two maybe two groups of people who did it last year there was an adorable pair of girls who did um, girl versions it was it was um Babs and Carla I think <laughs> um, they were they were super cute they had these little yellow dresses and the masks and those little brooms and and they were adorable um But But then we, because, you know, there's a couple of ways to do it. Like, we've, we've, I've seen the people where they make the giant heads. They have the, so they have the scale. So they have the giant head on. And then some people just wear the hazmat suit and and the mask. Um, but yeah, it was weird, you know, to, because I've been, it was weird to be on the other side of the table. You know what I mean? Like, I remember doing our Nocturnals costumes that Sarah and I did and going up to Dan Brereton, or Brereton, And being like, "Hi, I dressed up like this thing you created. Love me, you know? Please validate my existence, you know, kind of thing." And then to to be on the other side of the table and to have created something that inspired somebody to 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 dress up like it was just so weird and surreal and wonderful, and and I just wanted to hug them all and never stop. Just, just hug them forever. And they wanted us to like, they had little, they had brooms. They wanted us to sign their brooms. Well,
1: and there had and, to be some pressure to that too, right? Cause when these people show up as your thing, you're like, yeah, my gosh, my reaction better be equal to their enthusiasm for, for my thing.
2: I, I almost always immediately get up and hug them. That's sort of my immediate response is to just sort of fanboy squeal and, and then I go and I hug them. That's just, I don't know. That's my, my gut reaction.
3: Well, it's totally nerve-wracking to go up to an artist who's created a costume or a character that you know you fell in love with and yeah. you're trying to do them homage and then you show up and you're like, oh my God, they're going to totally take it apart. They're going to see that I didn't do this right or they're going to wonder what the hell I was doing on this sleeve and why I made this decision when I never drew it like this. And It is super nerve-wracking. I did that a couple of years ago on a Dazzler costume and from Extreme X-Men and I must have walked by the, artist, the alley that the artist was in about five times before I finally got up the nerve to go up and just go okay, so (laughs) you think, you know and he he loved it yeah, exactly, he he loved it but at the same time it was just like, I'm gonna pee my pants, I have to go pee before I go talk to him because otherwise, it's not gonna be pretty and you do, I mean, it doesn't matter how many costumes I make or how many you know, how many different, you know, times I get to meet people, I am still absolutely just flabbergasted at Any of them even, you know, appreciate what we do to the level that they do. And it's, it's super rewarding. I think that's one of the best things about cosplay is, is you bridge that gap between these two dimensional characters on a printed page or, you know, on a screen somewhere to these three dimensional characters that just kind of breathe a life of their own, you know, blood, sweat, and tears, but also a life of their own. And I, I love that part of the process. I, that to me is, makes it all worthwhile.
1: Well, and you're, the bulk of your work for for the most part I feel like you have done interpretations of comic book stuff which I think has got to be because there's there's a huge difference between drawing something in two dimensions on a page that doesn't exist in reality doesn't have gravity affecting it
0: <laughs> <Boobs>. and,
1: <laughs> and and actually creating that thing so you you've probably had the opportunity more than a lot to one have to create things based on comic book Characters and to 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 sort of to be in front of those creators and say here's that thing you made. I mean, I I would imagine you've blown a lot of minds in your time because you go after some really weird, obscure stuff.
3: I do, I do. I've actually gotten more reactions from people going, "Wow, that looks a lot better than I thought it was going to." <laughs> what I get told, uh, because I, I do have a tendency to go for the more obscure. Uh, not, I don't. I don't want to call them obscure, but I guess. You know, not current costumes because I'm an '80s and '90s child. My comic book years, you know, when I started collecting and when I fell in love with characters, it was, you know, during the '80s and '90s. So they're probably going to be headbands and, you know, ridiculous sleeves, you know, on the the costumes. But that to me is that was the that was the version I fell in love with. That was to me what embodied the character. So to be able to to pull that together and and do the version that I grew up with versus, you know, maybe a more current costume or more widely recognized one. Um, I think the the best example is probably one of the best examples, the version of Black Canary that I do is not the fishnet and, you know, tiny blue jacket. It's not, you know, the new 52 version. It's the really awful ninjas looking thing with a headband and this big wing thing coming off of her shoulders and big blousey sleeves and and big. You know, tight pants, and it, it's just absolutely. She burns it on the cover of Action Comics a few years later. She actually burns the costume. It's that bad. Um,
2: yeah, there was something. Yeah, Zatanna's, Zatanna's alternate costume from that time is pretty. pretty yeah, I've done terrible. that one
3: too. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's also a favorite. Yep. <laughs> well, uh, the bug on the head. Yeah. Yep, Bo, and yep, I've, yep.
1: Bo and I have had the conversation before where it's almost more satisfying to. Have five people absolutely fucking love you, oh, yeah. than yeah. to have yeah. hundreds of people say, "Well, that's a nice Superman."
2: Yeah, do some. You know, my back when I was in the game, my rules were, do something no one's ever done before. You know, and and I did a lot of obscure characters. I did Etrigan, the Max. You know, I did stuff that people had never even touched before, um, or or do something, and and you know when when I. When when Sarah and I were were doing costumes and stuff together, I was like, "How come you've never done poison ivy? You'd make a great poison ivy." And she was like, "Bo, oh, there's a million poison ivies out there. What am I going to do with poison ivy that somebody had, hadn't already done?" You know, and I, like, and I was like, "Oh, you're you're right." You know, because yeah. you know one of the first rules is go with what you got. Yeah. You know, and and I and I for the large part sidestepped a lot of the go with what you got because I had the mascot skills to make big crazy shit that. You know, you could fit any number of size people inside. Um, I wasn't doing a lot of stuff based on what I necessarily looked like. I did, you know, I did Jamie Madruk's Multiple Man. I did The Tenth Doctor. Um, I did some stuff that lent itself to my, my physicality. But I also had the skill set to do some bigger, crazier stuff that, you know, what, that had, that removed my physicality from the costuming equation.
1: Now, you've mentioned the mascot skills a couple of times. Where, where did that come from?
2: Uh, well, I came from a, um, a puppety sort of background. And then when I got out of college, uh, my mentor, my puppet mentor, Chris Brown, who's uh, a, a, a wonderful person and, and, and builder, he's done a lot of work on The Walking Dead. Uh, he's, he's one of the main uh, creative uh, designers behind Your Pretty Face is Going to Hell on Adult Swim. He did all the, the demon makeup and stuff like that. Builds big, crazy, cool stuff. When I got out of college, he got me a job at a mascot cost, at a mascot shop called Keith Bailey Productions. And it was, it was one of the best jobs I've ever had. It was just me and Chris alone working on a different mascot. We would get a, we would get a client, we would build the costume, we would have design challenges, figure out how to do it. We'd make that costume, we'd chip it off. And it was great. You're working on something different every day. I, I absolutely loved it. Uh, unfortunately the company didn't, didn't really last. Um, I got let go. And then eventually Chris got let go. Uh, And then I went on from there to International Mascot Incorporated, which is, which is still around here in Atlanta and pretty much just made Chick-fil-A cow costumes for two years, which was horrible. Did you save Uh,
1: one so that you'd be able to go and get free Chick-fil-A every time they do their promotion?
2: (laughs) No, I got, I got real sick of it. you know, I was, I mean, I was building, it was like, okay, build a Chick-fil-A cow costume. Right. All right, congratulations, you built one, now build another. And that's what I, that's all I did for two years. There were a handful of other characters we did. We did, Lil- we did Little Caesars Pizza Guy. Oh, nice. And, um, uh, like a Sonic drive through slushy character. But it was 99% Chick-fil-A cows. And, you know, as boring as a job it was, I learned a lot. Now I learned a lot very quickly, and there, and then, you know, reached my learning saturation point where I wasn't going to learn anything else. But all those skills that I learned went into the Max, um, specifically the Max, because I actually built the Max there uh, during my during my off time. They allowed me to work on freelance projects off the clock, and almost all the foam that went into him was scrap foam that was just you know laying around. Very nice. Uh, so I, I built almost all of that there. With a little help from Sean, I think dyeing the fabric, or it was either Sean or Clint that helped me dye the Antron for him. Uh, but that entire costume was built there. Um, so I wouldn't have been able to build the Max if I hadn't had the resources that were available to me, available to me by, by working there. So I'm, I'm very thankful for that element of it.
1: Speaking of, of getting help from Sean, you guys all know your skill sets at this point. You You all know what you're best at, what you're capable of. And I think one of the things that it really impresses me is how willing everybody is to, to outsource and to help Sean. When, when do you, when you're sitting down for a project, are there things you look at that you immediately know I'm going to get another person to do this portion of it? Or, or do you think I'm going to figure this out? What, what is the, where's the line there?
4: Well, <clears throat> I think it depends on um, uh, well on a the time frame of the project and the budget. I mean, if it's something that I want to try to figure out a new skill that I want to develop, then you know, and you know, the time frame is is it's far enough out. Sure, I'll go for it. You know, I'll also pick brains of, of friends like Donnie O or Bo or you know other people that I know who who do different things. Because I mean, I have. I have a tailoring background. I mean, I'm that's what my background is in, and That's why trained I go to for My tailor, stuff. yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm a, I'm a classically trained tailor, so that's that's where my base is. But you know, I'm trying to get more into like, you know, fabrication, like building armor, and I'm doing a piece this year that involves a lot of leather working. So I'm really trying to push myself. And branch out into new things. Um, and I mean, I think, honestly, that's why we all got into this in the first place, was to go, hmm, how can I do that, you know? Um, but definitely, there are times when I'll see something, and I'll, I'll like, shoot Donio a picture, and I'm like, hey, somebody wants, like, Space Boy. Um, so I'm totally going to need you on, like, the backpack and, you know, the collar and, you know, all this other kind of stuff. And he's like, yeah, yeah, we can do that and collaborate. We collaborated on a Nova Prime a couple of years ago, and it came out, you know, beautifully. Um, so it, it it really depends. It's a case by case basis, um, and we all tend to be a fairly close knit little community, you know, between me and Bo and DJ and um, Catherine and um, Donio and Ricky, and you know, we all yeah, we can make just about anything between yeah, like, we all the skill set yeah, we all Facebook each other and share, and yeah, so between all of us, if we actually put the time into it, we could take over the world, man. we'd look fabulous. And we'd look fabulous, <laughs> we'd look fabulous yeah. doing it. I mean, I hate building clothes for
2: puppets. Like, the last thing, like, I, I spend all this effort building a puppet, and then I look at it and go, oh, it needs clothes. <laughs> Fuck. So, So I've hired Sean many times to, to come in and, and, and build the little suits and stuff for the little guys, you know. Spider, what?
3: And that's what's actually really neat about the community is that I think it, it always drives me up a wall when somebody is like, oh, "I'm not going to tell you how I made that." And like, it's yeah. it's it's not really that big of a secret. I, you know, I'm all about people taking the journey. I mean, I can give you the basics, but you know, you have to know what you're comfortable doing on a skill set level. You know, if you've never sewn before, me telling you how to do it on the sewing machine is not going to help you a whole lot if you've never used a sewing machine before. So, you know, everybody's going to have the skills that they come into it, and I'm more than willing to help people. But it's when people are are completely. You know, they're just reluctant to share secrets. I'm like, it's not a secret. It's fabric. It's glue. You know, I've heard people complain that, oh, I can't believe you told them how to glue, you know, the kind of glue to use on that kind of foam. It's it's glue. It's it's not, you know, if it helps somebody become a better craftsman or a better creator or cosplayer or costumer – I say go for it and you know if you know how to do something share it. I try to do that on a weekly basis. I try to do a tip Tuesday where if I know something or I've come across something that I think is helpful that somebody that's new that may not know, I try to put it out there. Resources like the RPF, like the SCF, like the, you know, the League of Heroes, all those places have all these tutorials on there and they are such a godsend. I honestly Cosplay 20 years ago. Whenever I see people costuming, I'm blown away because I'm like, they didn't have those resources. They had to know
4: people. Yo, it's a completely different That's game. Completely, yeah. yeah. It's, it's totally different now. It's and how different it is. And I mean, it's. I mean, you talk about something like the RPF. I mean, these are the people on the RPF who are putting up like these whips and things like that. I mean, these are these are the real professionals. I mean, yeah. these people do big budget films. They do television. They do, you know, huge huge projects and they're putting their stuff out there. So when I see some, you know, some, you know, asshat out there, who's like, I'm not going to tell you how I cut that foam out or where I got my templates. It's like, dude, come on, really? And I think you'll find that people who are like that, um, if they shun the community, the community shuns them right back. I mean, this is a very, there's a lot of people out there doing it, but it is a tight incestuous little group. (laughs) And if you get a bad reputation, I mean, if if one person starts bad mouthing you, you're going to go down in flames in yeah. no time at all. So it's reputation is extraordinarily important in, in what we're doing, especially when you're talking about commissions, because you can read everywhere about people getting ripped off, mm-hmm. um, you know, all this kind of stuff, getting bad products, never getting their products, people running up, people like faking names on forums and, you know, ripping people off. It's extremely important to have a very, you know, rich, um, you know, community life and to be part of it and to be involved in it and to, you know, to, to give as much as you take from it, uh, especially when there's people who are new who are asking questions. You know, we were all there too at one point. So we wanted to know how to do it. So why would we not help the people who are trying to, to get there now?
2: And It's cool when you see somebody who like, Sort of, even that you never talked to, but, but solved the same design challenges that you went through. And you're like, Oh, cool. You did the thing. Yeah. yeah. You know, like, I mean, I remember when I was, I was sort of one of the first people to do the Seder legs. And now tons of people do them all, you know, tons of people do them. And, they, and then I can see that they sort of went down the same sort of path that I did trying to figure out, okay, how do you make it look like your legs bending backwards? How do you make it look like you don't have a heel? You know, um, all that kind of stuff, and it's and and it's you know just just be cool. You know, I mean, I had a with with this with the the SCF, I had a a pretty unique skill set, and not that I'm very active on it or anything, but I still every now and then get an email or or Facebook message being like, "Hey, listen, I know you're the guy who did this. You know, I, I have this idea, and I'm you know and I'm and I'm always happy and willing to share whatever." Whatever tips I can, you know, all it does is make the, the, industry cooler and, and, you know, and especially now that I'm, you know, off in puppet land, you know, uh, it, it's, it, the more that it goes around, and, and, and the puppet community is, is the same way, you know, there was def, there's definitely a difference between the old guard of people who jealously hoarded their secrets about how they did stuff and would not let people behind the curtain to, to know how, how they managed that trick or managed that whatever. Then um, it's a different game now. You know, it's like we have the internet and we have tutorials, and 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 quite frankly, you know, with puppetry being as as an old of an art form as it is, if we didn't pass down the knowledge, it would have died. You know, the the secrets and the knowledge would have well, been lost and I, forever. I think
1: once you if, open up your how how you did things. It's only going to stimulate your own growth and innovation. It's like it's like Tesla exactly. opening up the patent for their cars. They're sharing how they do it with everyone because they know they're always going to be it, – it's going to keep them innovating. It's going to make the world a richer place. And, and you guys kind of do the same thing, uh, or those of you that are part of the community and that do want to share. You're, you're saying, look, I figured this out. Let's share this and grow from there.
4: Yeah. yeah. I, I, oh, I'm sorry, Suzanne. Go ahead. Go ahead.
3: No, go ahead, sweetie.
4: Oh, um, I was just going to say that. Yeah, I mean, it it's kind of almost. This might sound a little counterintuitive, but it's almost if you want to call this an industry, it's sort of like an industry that's only as strong as its weakest link. Um, you know, it's uh, you, you want to put that out there. You want to get people doing more and more and more and creating more and creating more and creating more more so that you've got more people out there. You push yourself further to, to go to different places and to bring more people into it. Um, and, uh, you know, that's how you move forward and get better things. And that's how you, people invent new techniques for everyone to use. Mm -hmm. And uh, just to get a little after school special real quick, um, Especially with, I don't know, kind of some of the some of the backlash on this, you know, community that has come out of certain recent media outlets. Um, I think it's especially important now to to strengthen that community awareness and to be more supportive and more a part of everybody's efforts and you know help people out and and be willing to to share information and share your story, and, you know, welcome people in.
0: Yeah, because um, we're, not,
4: we're not divas and we're not dicks. Exactly. And it doesn't serve us for that to be the cultural perception. Yeah, you, you asked earlier what, like, the most impressive costumes we've ever seen are. Well, I mean, you know, honestly, I'm pretty damn impressed with anybody who's willing to dress up and go out in public. Mm-hmm. and and do this or who's willing to photo to be photographed and put themselves you know out in social media and out in the world or who's willing to to dress up in a costume and go somewhere like Dragon Con where you know hundreds of people are going to be taking your picture and you have no idea what those people are going to do with those yeah. pictures I've got you know well, they're well, going to I've be flying good, all <laughs> like some of them are doing them. So, oh <laughs> Let's not, let's not talk about the creepers now, that's not right. <laughs> but, um, but, uh, but you know, I, I mean, I think it's, it's damned impressive if for anybody to, to have the kind of balls that it takes to do that. Um, and, uh, you know, I say, yeah, keep going. Well, it's, it's also, you know, it's important to take a step
2: back and be like, we do this cause it's fun, right? Yeah. It cause it's fun. Yeah. You know, we do it cause it's fun. It's not about the, the, you know, the glory or the, the contests or whatever we do it because there's something inside of us that makes us want to dress up. There's something we just want to play dress up. We just want to play dress up and and be like, "Cool, hey everybody, check out what I did." You know, and
3: Absolutely right. And I think it's also important that the people that have been doing it for a long time welcome the new people that come into the community. Yes. Cuz just because you've been Wonder Woman for, you know, 10 years and you've got a great Wonder Woman costume because somebody shows up, you know, and they're using, you know, silver tinfoil for their bracelets go up and talk to them because you obviously have a shared you know interest in the character there's no reason to stand over in a corner and be like oh my god i can't believe she wore the same thing i did oh my god that's you know that's ridiculous that's that's not our community this is a chance to be geeks together not you know stand apart so if you're new to the scene go don't be afraid to talk to people you know but also if you're old school and you've been around for a while talk to the new people encourage them because you never know when that's going to be somebody that you rely on in the future because they suddenly come up with a great way to make a resin belt that you know is just perfect for your needs it's it's a give and take and it's you know nobody's the king or queen or prince or lord or or lord high emperor of anything you know in our community we're all just a bunch of dorks running around and right
2: that's, that, that's what I always say. Is like, well, you can't be that
0: cool. You're
4: here. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Like, <laughs> that's a, yeah. Well, and that's a good thing to keep in mind
1: is because uh. Is, uh, I, I, a lot of people are getting into it now. Uh, well, and I guess always will be to some extent or another. And if you're new, you know, if you're listening to this and you're, and you're new and you haven't really put together a costume before and you're thinking about it or you've got your first costume, you know, know that when you see that lady in that incredible wonder woman costume or you see that guy in the amazing mass effect costume you know one at one point they were wearing tinfoil too at at it one were you. point they had uh-huh. no idea how to make you know that headpiece you're trying to figure out at, at at one time they were you and and they they're going to be more than happy to talk to you in most cases, you know, every once in a while you're going to run into people who are offering unsolicited advice and maybe giving you critiques that you don't particularly want about your costume. But those are the exceptions to the rule. Uh, Most cosplayers I've ever talked to have been nothing but fantastic and, and, you know, just like you guys tonight, excited to share their experience and their knowledge.
2: Yeah, I'm. I send out. Uh, I just actually sent out today my Dragon Con survival guide to all the new puppeteers that I'm bringing in for the puppetry track, and and part of it is is I say get into the spirit, bring a costume, you know, take get your picture taken with people, take your take people's picture, pose for pictures, bring walk around the convention with your puppets. I think that you will all be very impressed by the level of as as puppeteers and people in the business of making things. Um, I think that you'll be very impressed by the level of craftsmanship that you see uh, out on the floor. Um, and that we have this sort of, you know, it's nerdy gras. We have this sort of Mardi Gras spirit that, that permeates Dragon Con. Um, and I would hate to see that go. You know, that, that just everybody's, that, that, the, that, that the spirit of nerdy gras of, of putting, putting on a costume to put up to to be wearing a costume and to be wandering around having a good time not necessarily because you're there to prove something or get your picture taken or whatever but you know that it's because it's fun and 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 for the hope that you make somebody's day that we talked about those five people you know that that person who was like you know oh my god you did an etrigan costume and etrigan's like one of my favorite characters and I've never seen anybody do it before that's why you do it
4: you oh know. my god! Yeah, when I did that that Macross flight suit, like I yeah. hardly ever see people do that. And I I did that when I wanted it to be hyper realistic. I did like tons of research on like Navy pilots and low orbital flight suits, and it just it came out like I just love it. It's one of the favorite my favorite things I've ever done. And I mean, uh, yeah, people either had no idea what it was. Well, I mean, people my age would know what it was because they you know watched it when they they raced home after school to watch it. Um, but, um, the people who knew what it was just went crazy. I had yeah. this guy, I had this guy stop me in the hall, this big, big giant dude, like probably six, four, probably like 230 pounds, like great big tattoos up and down his arms, crying, like literally crying. He's like, Oh my God, he just went nuts. That's, that's why you do it That's you know? why you do it you, you do it to just go to just go balls out and say I'm gonna you know put this thing together and it's gonna be something that you know people a lot of people aren't gonna get it but the people who get it are gonna so get it it's gonna make yeah. it totally worth it.
2: You <laughs> know,
1: I, I, I think you just nailed kind of what's so special about cosplay. Is at DragonCon, you don't necessarily have a whole lot of time to get into deep conversations with people. You're running around trying to get to panels, or you know, refill your beverage, or whatever it is you're doing. And wearing a costume is an immediate way to say, "Holy fuck, that person loves that thing as much as I do."
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Like immediately, there is no doubt whatsoever that you love Macross, and you really love it. Because look at the flight suit.
4: Yeah, nobody walks up to anybody at Dragon Con and says, Hey, I like your cargo shorts. Where'd you get them? Right. Right. <laughs> right. right.
2: Exactly. Yeah, and that's, like, that's there, the difference uh... between geeks and hipsters. Is the <laughs> defining, the, well, no, hear me out. The defining trait of a geek, in my opinion, is passion. Mm-hmm. Hipsters are all about not giving a shit. Right. But geeks don't like things. They fucking love it. Yeah, you know, and and so that moment when you wear something or you do a character that's so special to people, and you know we're geeks, we grew up ostracized, people didn't understand us, and and these characters that that became that found their ways into our hearts are the way that we dealt with that. And so when you talk about the six four dude breaking down in tears about a Macross costume, that's 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 what makes it special. You know, that's the reason to do it.
3: Yeah, and it's also, I mean, when I look back on, you know, every Dragon Con I've ever been to, and I've gone to, I think this will be our 12th or 13th that we're attending this year, I don't look back and go, I I don't generally look back and go, oh, that costume or this costume. I look back and go, I have these, I met these people. You know, I, I created these relationships. There are people that I still look forward to seeing every year, and our conversations pick up exactly where they left off a year ago. You know, if we haven't chatted online, and I'll see them, and I'll be like, hey, hey, you know, and you just start chatting, and you meet somebody new. Every year, I leave Dragon Con with new friends, you know, and reconnecting with old friends, and, you know, it's not really about what I'm wearing. You know, it's fun to to run around and do big photo shoots and to work really hard on something and and have people recognize it and be like, oh, my God, that looks really awesome. But then to – in the long run, it's it's the friendships that you make, it's the connections that you make, and it's the the fact that you can sit there – And be an absolute dork with somebody and sing the Fraggle Rock theme song at two (laughs) o'clock in the morning, you know, in the Hyatt and have thirty other people join in. You know, just absolute random strangers. You know, to be walking back from the grave and, you know, see people just loosely drumming, you know, Ice Ice Baby somewhere. You know, it's it's these little it's these little moments, you know, of, of of time that kind of get encapsulated. And whether or not you're in spandex or armor at the time, it's still you know, you still make that connection in some way, whether or not, you know, you ever speak to them. But you look, you walk by and you're like, yeah, those are my people. That's exactly what I said and I felt when I went to my first Dragon Con. And that was my first con ever. I kind of jumped into a big one with both feet. Went down to Atlanta. Um, I had a gig down there anyway. So we said, well, let's just do Dragon Con at the same time. And I walked in and I was in jeans and a tank top. And within an hour, I looked at my boyfriend and I said, we are coming back tomorrow and we, I'm getting dressed up. These are my people. I have found my people. And it just, it just blossomed from there. And I've made friendships that I can't imagine not having in my life. You know, beyond just, you know, the costuming aspect of it, the sewing tips, the crafting tips, the, oh my God, how do I get this wig to stand up straight? It's, you know, hey, how are the kids? Hey, how's your family? Hey, you know, <clears throat> the job hunt going? You know, those, those are the things that mean something in the long run. And that's what I love about the community. I've met the most amazing people here.
4: Yeah. And it's, it's, I mean, for me now it starts on Wednesday. Like we oh, yeah. go down on Wednesday night to the pre-party and I mean, seriously, like b- between the pre-parties, the actual convention itself and the after parties, Dragon Con actually lasts about a month. I mean, seriously, <laughs> it's crazy, but, but it does, it start, I mean, it really starts. I start down there Wednesday night and we have like the big pre-party and I get to meet up with everybody before the craziness, before the mm-hmm. real craziness starts yeah, yeah. and we just have like a big old time. But I, as along with um, what Spider was saying about uh, meeting up with people and catching up with people, it's also that you get there and you're like, I made it! Like another year, I made it. I got a hotel room and like I have got my badge. I'm going to get my I'm going to get my badge in the morning, and I'm going to be hanging out with these people for coffee while I'm waiting for the doors to open. And and then it's like we're here. We made it. We have all of our kits up in our room you know we're yeah. ready to go after all the craziness after all you of guys, the struggling guys and the burnt and cut fingers and mm-hmm. crying and tearing your hair out and wasted materials you get there with all your stuff and it's like okay now it's time to stop worrying about any of it and just spend four days just enjoying all of the fruits of all that labor and yep. just basking in it and it, it is it's just completely immersive experience yep. There's there's that feeling like,
2: you know how like you know how if you've ever gone to the hotel when it's not Dragon Con,
4: <laughs> and it just
2: feels so weird because they like put furniture out. I,
4: I have a funny story about that actually. It's really funny. I went down there to meet some friends who were there for for a, for a, uh, for a con- just a regular conference, and we were sitting in the bar. Mm-hmm. And I guess there was a high school nearby or something because this like group of cheerleaders walks through the Hyatt lobby, and I'm, we're sitting in the bar. And I looked over <laughs> and I was like, and I went, oh look at those cheerleaders. I wonder what they're. So- and I'm like, oh, wait a minute. It's Those are actual like, cheerleaders. I'm like, it's like April. I'm like, it's April. Those are actual cheerleaders. <laughs> yeah. yeah.
3: And if you go to the Hyatt, they actually have furniture out in the lobby. You know, they pull the furniture in when Dragon Con yeah. comes in, but in the yeah. Hyatt, there's actual furniture all over the lobby. And I'm like, where'd these couches come from? What are they doing here? <laughs>
2: there's there's this feeling I get when I'm there, and it's and it's difficult now that I that I have to work so hard, but I always still try to find time to um do a little bit of people watching and just sit somewhere usually on my own and and just watch because in in the puppet world we we call it our tribe because puppet people are where we come from strange stock um <laughs> and, and we call it our tribe that, that when you when you cuz a lot of a lot of people you know and i think that that this really mirrors the the geek experience of maybe growing up you know, ostracized and feeling alone that you don't have people that relate to you and, and you don't have anyone who can understand you. And then you go to something like Dragon Con and suddenly you're surrounded by people who are just like you and you're not alone anymore. And that really, I think, means a lot to people. I know that it meant a lot to me. Yeah. That before I, b- before I found my puppet tribe, I had my DragonCon tribe. And there are... I remember... During the, I think the first year of the the first year of the puppetry track, we had finished this. We had finished the puppet slam, um, the the second puppet slam, and we were all back in my hotel room celebrating, and everybody was toasting and having beers. We just did this amazing puppet show that we turned 700 people away from. I mean, that was unfathomable. No one could even wrap their brain around the fact that 700 people got turned away from a puppet show. And I remember sitting in the room, and I and we were my room was in the Hyatt. And I could hear the roar of the convention on the other side of the door. And here I was celebrating with all these puppeteers uh and celebrating our accomplishment and what we had done. And I just I just I just walked out. And I just wandered back into Dragon Con. I was like, uh is as amazing as what it is that we just accomplished, I have a date with a lady. And her name (laughs) is Dragon Con. And (laughs) And I just, I just went out and I just wandered around and, and, and I call it th- like sort of throwing myself into the tide. And, and I just went and, and, and wandered and, and met strangers and didn't do puppet stuff. You know, um, just to, just to get that time in that I don't really get anymore is really important to me to, to still try to get my Bose Dragon Con experience in spite of all the responsibilities that I have to make the track work now. Um,
1: and I think that is critical um, because, you know, as much as I encourage people to attend panels, particularly mine or <laughs> panels on the puppetry track, none of my favorite Dragon Con memories come from panels yeah. Yeah. or from anything that I do like in a structured way. They're all from wandering around Running into people, meeting people, talking to people I don't know, mm-hmm. just being part of what you were talking about, the Dragon Con tide, just yeah. getting swept up in the fun, Not having a plan. Right. Yeah. yeah. It, it's, you know, go, definitely, you know, go to panels, seek out the celebrities you like, whatever, but be sure to make some time to just kind of drift away with the Dragon Con nerd. Oh, guide. yeah.
4: Not yeah, having I, a plan is a big thing for me at Dragon Con because my my whole motto is I have had a plan for every minute of every day for the last three months. I'm here now. There are no plans.
2: Yeah. <laughs> well, I still, I still <laughs> encourage people to have a plan for Dragon Con because, because it takes so long to get from point A to point B. You have to have a plan or you will fuck up and you will not be where you're supposed to be when you need to be there. Yeah. But when it's the nighttime time, and it's when it's in between the time when you have to do shit, schedule that part of your plan should be scheduled time to lose yourself in the convention.
3: Yeah,
1: yeah. I'm not saying don't have a schedule and don't prepare beforehand
2: because
3: right. you need, <laughs>
2: because you otherwise need to, you're not going to come out on the other side. <laughs>
3: uh,
1: right. You need to you need to peruse that schedule as soon as they publish it and figure out what you want to do, but. In those in between times, you need to be ready to just kind of coast away into the Hyatt or yeah, the Marriott or whatever.
4: It. Well, see, because I don't do I, I. I don't know. I guess I'm weird. Well, of course I'm weird. You know, but <laughs> we're all weird. I go that saying, Sean. but um, but I mean, I'm. I guess I, I kind of go at it from a different thing because I don't. I don't really do like panels. I don't do like all the, the celebrity running, TV shows it. and that kind of stuff. I mean, I don't. I just wander around. I wander around and I talk to people and I go look at the art and, you know, I catch up with friends when they text me and say, Hey, let's go meet here. And I'm like, okay, sure. Fine. You know, let's go get a bite. And to the text yeah, whatever. came in
3: three hours ago.
4: <laughs> yeah, I know. Right. The text came in three hours ago, but, um, but you know, we that's why you like, time we'll, stamp your texts. I mean, we'll make, we'll make plans to like meet up and do stuff at certain points of the day, but I don't ever, you know, I'm not like Bo. I mean, I know what you're saying. Like you have to schedule everything out because you're running an entire track and, and, Spider, you have to be at your shows and and do your panels and your events. But oh, man. I, like, I don't sit to, on panels. Just to be I, able to go there and be there. <laughs> like, I don't sit on panels. Um, You know, I don't really go to many unless I am happen to be walking by. And I'm like, oh, sure, I'll hop in there and see what's going on. But, I like, at, for me, like, the scheduling part is over. Like, my plans are over. And I tell people who are with me at the con, I'm like, I'm not going to go stand in line to watch, like, some TV show people talk. I'm not, because I have better nothing to do than that. I have Dragon Con to go do, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I and there's better Dragon better Con TV, and I can
3: see it in an hour with my feet up and a drink in my hands. <laughs> for yeah, real.
2: For yeah. real. Yeah. I, yeah. I always make time to go down to the gaming room at least once a night and 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 pick up a game with strangers. That's incredibly important to my experience at Dragon Con. Yeah. Is, is I, I will spend time in the gaming room, and I will play games with strangers. That is integral to my experience
1: what is that's that's actually i think a good place to wrap it up bow that's your you're something that you've got to do every year yeah uh spider do you have kind of the one thing that you feel like i've got to do this every year at dragon con
3: um Oh, there's so many things that I always feel. There's always the big giant list you make, you know, when the schedule comes out, and then you realize you're only going to get to about a tenth of it. Yeah, (laughs) Um,
0: yeah.
3: Can't do it all. Yeah, I I mean, and I'm still old school. I love the app. I love the app. But I still get kind of old school, and I have my yellow highlighter, and I've got my little book, and I'm, like, you know, highlighting all the stuff that I want to keep an eye on or I want to try and get around to. But I think for me, I always want to catch at least, whether or not I'm DJing it, I want to catch at least one late-night rave um, because just the energy of people at 5 o'clock in the morning with lightsabers as glow sticks is just insane to me. It's it's just such a rush to, to watch people and, and all connecting on that level. Um, and then also to try and, um, you know, catch some of the bands as well because they're bands that never tour in my area, so getting live is great. Yeah. But also a chance to just um, go and stand, you know, looking down at like either from the Pulse Loft or just standing around. It used to be the Hyatt, and then everything moved to the Marriott. But just to stand and people watch on Sunday night is a tradition of watching people do their last gasp of partying, their last running around. Sometimes they're in the goofy casual costume. Sometimes, you know, it's their big giant, you know, I've worked all year on this, and this is me, you know, wearing it as much as possible. And, um, and and unfortunately, we actually end up usually playing a drinking game of some kind, depending on whatever uh, the, the big costume of the year is, because we want to finish the alcohol in our room. Um, <laughs> one, one year we played Loki. That was not a good idea. Loki was a game. We played
2: we played Jane Hat Punch Buggy one year, and and, and everyone was mortally wounded.
3: Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. It, last year, um, two years ago, it was Loki. Last year, I can't remember what it was. This year, I think we're going to be playing Elsa, because I'm pretty sure there will be Elsa. Last year
2: was couple. Adventure Time.
3: Oh, uh, there were a lot of adventures. Yeah, last year was fun. Yeah. 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 So, um, but, you know, it's that last hangout of, you know, catching up with people that maybe you didn't see that much and just, you know, taking a moment to breathe the last of the, you know, the con in and, and then, you know, try and figure out, okay, what time do we have to check out? What time are we going to wake up? Is everything packed? Um, but for me, just the key moments are always getting to see one of the late-night parties, getting to catch up with people, and just sitting and watching at some point. Those are all... All must do, and I always try to catch at least one panel. Um, I think I know there are people that go and never even go to a panel, but I've been to panels that have absolutely rocked my world. So I always try to at least sit down and make it to at least one panel and just you know learn something new or or see an author that I've never heard speak before. I'm excited that Jim Butcher's coming back because he's a great speaker. Yes, yeah, he's he's just a super entertaining person to listen to. So just to sit there and and just be a member of the audience and not have. To, about where I need to be in an hour. You know, that, that's, that's me to me. Um, and then getting home and, and crashing and sleeping for like a week. Okay. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs>
1: I, I like that you mentioned the raves because the, I, I'm not really a dance music guy, but at Dragon Con, I fucking love dance music. <laughs> like, just because <clears throat> of the atmosphere of those raves when you go into that blacked out room everybody is excited to be there it's a bunch of nerds dancing which is not
2: a phenomenon that you encounter a whole lot yeah. and here we see the nerd it is natural ha- natural habitat right
1: all <laughs> right it's everybody just letting go and having fun and it's really just about the kind of the primal beats of the music it's not even about what's playing it's about the atmosphere and how that music is driving it i just I, I have to go to the raves when I'm there because it's it's just part of the part of the adventure, I guess. Yeah,
3: right. it's it's an energy rush that you know. I try to explain it to people, and I'm like, you know, I've DJed almost all from one coast to the other, and I've done you know rooms with twenty people in it, and I've done rooms with three thousand people in it, and there's nothing to compare to being in one of the DragonCon rave rooms regardless of who's DJing. If I'm DJing, fantastic. If I'm watching a friend DJ, fantastic. But to stand there and just to feel that energy kind of swirl around you and know that the guy over there with the unicorn horn on his head dancing in a pair of shorts is probably going to wake up the next morning and go be absolutely, like, entranced over a discussion about, you know, Star Trek technology versus Battlestar Galactica technology and drill down to, like, the buttons and emblems and, you know, keyboard doohickeys or whatever, you know. It's it's just, it to me, it's just, it's a juxtaposition that I love.
1: Well, and that's the other thing is wa- wander around from rave to rave because you can go to the ballrooms and see, you know, massive, you know, high ceiling rooms packed with people, and you can also go to the smaller conference rooms and see... You know, thirty people dancing around in the dark on a much smaller scale, like there's lots of different stuff going on.
3: Yeah, even the drum circles, you know, yeah. they have yeah. their own vibe and their own thing going on also. It's it's really cool. I mean that the nightlife it's an adult nightlife. I wouldn't let a child out after eight o'clock at Dragon Con. No. Um without a leash. But it's it's just it's a leash in a is, blindfold.
2: Yeah. Well they wanna be they wanna be the only person on a leash.
1: Yeah. <laughs> true. Uh Sean you you I, I like your your Free-flowing Dragon Con weekend but is there any one thing that you're like it's not Dragon Con until I've done this thing
4: uh, well I always have to have at least one lobby burger um, <laughs> and anybody who's ever been to Dragon Con will know exactly what I'm talking about <laughs> And I always have to go stalk George Shanty Who draws Buffy? Yes, yes, he does, and and well, because I'm his I'm his stalker, (laughs) Buffy and now now Firefly. Yeah, and he does Firefly too. Yeah, so I always have to go. I always have to go stalk George, and he's always very nice about it. So
1: (laughs) he is super nice. He hasn't built up quite the crowd um, of of worshippers that Brian Stelfreeze has. So so I think he's he's cool about it.
4: And he, and he's actually in stalking distance because he lives back in Atlanta now. So oh, just up oh, the street from me, as a matter of fact, Oh my, <laughs> cue the jaws theme. Wow. That's know, quite right. a bit of stalking. You've done there, Sean. <laughs> well, actually he told me that at heroes. He just he told me <laughs> oh, that he'd moved okay. back from, he'd moved back from LA. <laughs> yeah.
1: We'll, uh, we'll be posting the Janti report, uh, soon on needless insight.com. We'll be keeping close eye on George to make sure nothing goes
2: wrong. Uh, well, I got awesome. another one real quick. Yeah, um, man. The uh, Thursday night at midnight in the Marriott. Um, when we when we, there's that sort of informal, uh, like New Year's Eve countdown that happens. Yeah, I love that. I love that. I love being in the Vault Lounge and and looking down and and everybody suddenly collectively starts chanting down from ten, and then all of those people all cheering at once that Dragon Con has officially started at Thursday night at midnight. I I fucking love that. Yeah. Yeah. Let's let's I, talk I about told people about it. I told some of my my puppetry guests last year and and they were like no way. And I was like no, you show up. You be there and I guarantee you'll see it. And they were like that was magical.
1: <laughs> let's address that real quick because that that's a thing that's happened for, for several years now. Actually, Thursday night has become the unofficial first night. This year, uh, I don't know if any other tracks are, are doing it. I think last year there might have been a show Thursday night, but this year the uh, American sci-fi classics track has panels scheduled for Thursday night. Really? Yes. They well, had so much stuff. <laughs> so is Wednesday. Now going to be like I'm. I'm wondering. I feel like at some point Dragon Con well, is yeah, going Wednesday's to have the to acknowledge Thursday. Thursday.
4: Yeah, Wednesday's Wednesday's Wednesday the is the new Friday, Thursday, is what but, we
3: call it. Wednesday is new yeah, Friday.
4: <laughs> the last okay, so two years ago on Wednesday I went, and that was the first year I'd gone on Wednesday to meet everybody for the the what we call the pre party, mm-hmm. and that um, you know there were there were a, but there were a number of people. You know it was it was fairly crowded there at the at the sale. Barge lounge or whatever it's called, the big one in the middle. Yeah. Um, And then last year, holy crap! Yeah. Last year on Wednesday night, I mean, there are people in costumes. There are already people dressed up wandering around the entire like mezzanine floor and the vault lounge and the Marriott were full. I was like, holy! I was like, good grief! Like it's it's just, it was crazy. So I think definitely like Wednesday is becoming the new the new Thursday. I mean, it's it's nuts now.
1: So, do you guys think DragonCon, like as an organization, at some point will open the dealer room on Thursday? Will acknowledge Thursday as the first day of Con?
2: I I don't know.
3: I think it would depend on their how much sanity they want to have by the time they get to Monday, because those guys have been working so hard. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure Bo thing. can attest to it.
2: Yeah, yeah. It, There's still so much going I, on. I can't I, I can't imagine them adding programming on like. Well, I mean, if you're saying that you guys are adding programming on Thursday, which good luck yeah, with that. But. We've,
1: we've got, um, I think two panels scheduled for Thursday evening because there was just, there was too much. And I don't know that it was necessarily as much of an acknowledgement. Like, obviously, they're saying there are people here. There are people that are going to want to do it. Uh, but it was just so jam packed. This is a huge anniversary year, which if, if you guys know the sci-fi classics track, they're really big on anniversaries because that's when they get a hold of properties. Um, mm, yeah. So it, it was, you know, part yeah, of it that was, was one, last
2: year was the Fraggles anniversary. I mean, that's what we did.
1: Right. Know? Exactly. And that's an important part of uh, really dragon con as a whole, but, but, uh, yeah, uh, the, when when Gary sent me the message saying, "Hey, we've we've got panels on Thursday night now," I was like, "Holy shit!" And then my second thought was, "Wait, none of them are mine, are they?" <laughs> yeah.
3: <laughs> yeah, for the most part, I mean, Thursday night it's it's just to keep people entertained because they know they've come in and they've stood in line for six hours to get their badge or four hours to get their badge, and people want to party. So I think they're they're scheduling lightly. I know that they've tried to put some early bands in and some early nightlife stuff going on, but. I mean, people are creating their own parties that night. You know, the group that does the countdown, you know, they actually will bring gowns and tuxedos to do the countdown on Thursday night. Um, They just, you know, people, I know we have a, the SCF does their big meetup on Thursday night as sort of a welcome party to catch up before Mm. everything gets crazy. And then we have a close down party on, you know, Sunday night just to go, hey, didn't see you all con, how was it? Um, but yeah, Thursday night has just gotten uh, it, But Wednesday night we ran around in funny hats So, But it was nice to be able to sit And catch up with people before things Got out of control and, and nutsy cuckoo
1: Yeah So So, so Dragon Con is uh, now closer Than it's ever been before <laughs> with, <laughs> with the uh, continued Edition of, of I guess Prefix Nights uh, I think we've covered some good stuff tonight Before we go, I want you guys To, to plug your stuff, push your websites, push your projects, whatever you're doing. Uh, Sean, let's start with you. Where where can we find you online? Uh, how do people get a hold of you to make awesome stuff for them?
4: Um, well, you can find me at www.smpdesigns.com or you can find me at S P Designs on Facebook. Woo! And he is he is the best. Quite simply. Oh, best. It's true. <laughs>
1: DJ Spider, where where can we keep track of you online and uh and know what you're gonna be doing at DragonCon?
3: I'm everywhere. Um <laughs> just if you just go to Google and you enter the hashtag that DJ Spider, that will connect you to my um Instagram, my uh Facebook pages, my Twitter, my um uh Tumblr, all that stuff. So just just do that DJ Spider with a hashtag and you'll find me. Um I'll be coming into Dragon Con on Wednesday night. Um, the only thing I have officially scheduled right now is I'll be DJing at the aquarium, which is from seven to eleven on Saturday night, and that's in conjunction with Aspen Comics. They're doing a special VIP section, but there's also just the general ticket. And the aquarium, if you've never been, is fantastic. So that's worth seeing, whether you're in costume or not in costume. They're running oh. shuttles, um, but it's it's not that bad of a walk if you just you know if you're feeling frisky. Yeah. Uh, and uh, the you know that's the only thing that I have officially scheduled right now, but I'm pretty sure in the next. Next few weeks, there'll be more things that add to my to my calendar, um, and uh, you know I'll be running around in costume uh, as well. And uh, just look for the six foot tall goofball who's wearing something really weird. That's probably going to be me.
1: Or it's either going to be her or me.
3: <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> I'll be the one with boobs, though, so that, that might narrow it down. <laughs>
1: I don't know that that does narrow it down. I've been eating a lot of pie lately. <laughs> <laughs> and finally, the lovely Mr. Bo Brown. Uh, <laughs> do you even make a Dragon Con schedule aside from. You don't have a personal schedule anymore.
2: I have no. I, I am a ghost now. <laughs> it's sad. But I'm a ghost. Like, I don't get to do hardly anything. I, I, you know, I run the track. Um, well, and this year is even crazier because the National Puppet Slam is in conjunction with Dragon Con, which means that Thursday, Friday, and Saturday night, we'll be doing performances at the Center for Puppetry Arts um of the national puppet slam the best puppet slam acts from across the country so i will actually have to leave dragon Con twice on friday and saturday to go do the show and then come back um which i hate leaving dragon con during dragon con i absolutely hate it but that was the deal that we made and and it's a great deal and i'm and i'm sucking it up and, and dealing with it um but please come and check out the puppetry track we're in the marriott in room a704 uh, among, uh, some of the other things that got upgraded this year, both improv shows, the adult and kid improv shows were upgraded to larger rooms. So we can accommodate, uh, we got a lot of feedback that said we want bigger rooms for that and we made it happen. Um, big, uh, sort of brand new thing to announce is that we will be joined by, we'll be sharing with the science track, Paul Zaloom from Beekman's world. He was Beekman on Beekman's world. Uh, and, he, uh, in addition to being Beekman, he's also an extremely accomplished puppeteer who's had a huge career of solo performance work. Um, so I'm very pleased to announce Paul Zaloum uh, being one of our headliners for the track this year.
1: Very cool. Awesome. Um, yeah, I've, I, can't, I, I can't recommend the uh, Puppet Improv Show highly enough. I saw it last year, and it's probably the best panel that I saw that I wasn't on.
2: Thank you. We'll have a kid's <laughs> show and an adult show, and, and we actually have um, a lot of puppeteers this year coming in from Puppet Up, from Henson's, Henson's official puppet improv show, Puppet Up. We have uh, at least three puppeteers who've, who've worked on that, so it's an extremely strong group of performers this year. That's awesome. Yeah, I actually... Including, was- including everybody's... Including Dragon Con's favorite, Mark Mir, um... Who uh, some of us know uh, as as an incredible, uh, hilarious, wonderful human being and performer, Mark will be in the adult show. So, yeah, right.
1: definitely make it out for for uh, because the Puppet Up guys are are I mean that's Brian Henson
2: uh, very yeah.
1: solidly behind that project. Like that that's that's a powerful force.
2: And, and just in case for those of you who are listening who don't know who Mark Muir is, he's the voice of of, of Commander Shepard on Bioshock uh, from Bioshock. So he's in not aspects. only is he ridiculously famous no. uh within the geek world but he's also a hilarious improver he's he's probably one of the most famous uh improvisational actors in 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 canada really actually at this point and
3: he's yeah. a super nice guy
2: it's super ridiculously nice um yeah. i love i love mark he's so funny uh and great so yeah, please come and check those shows out uh those will be in bigger rooms this year for for everyone to enjoy
1: awesome well guys thank you so much for coming on and talking about costuming talking about dragon con uh i i couldn't be more excited for con this year there's so much cool stuff going on and bo would you like to do your sign off good journey yay hang in there people we're not done yet uh, after we wrapped everything up Bo brought something to my attention that I was not aware of because I don't do pre-interview checklists really even though I've talked with Sean a ton of times before uh, certain things had not come up uh, he's not a guy that kind of toots his own horn or, or makes a big deal out of his accomplishments so I wasn't even aware of just how big a presence he is, and just how much professional work he's done. Uh, I've seen his costumes, I know he's amazing, but I didn't know there was more. So, stay tuned, we've got a few few more minutes of talking uh, after Bo brings something to my attention, and we converse just a little bit more. So, here's that.
2: The only thing I, I kind of wanted to kept, I wanted to ask was i Sean, I, I wanted to s- at least sort of have you touch on um, because you haven't been on the show before, uh, like some of your clients like you've had some pretty impressive clients that I think would have been cool
4: to hear about well, um, um your friend in mine, Mr. Mark Meir, is one of them. Um yeah, but you've and, worked for like Delta and like I mean you've done Yeah, well I've done well I've mean, doing a lot of doing a lot of media product a lot of media projects, you know, I have agencies calling me to do print and print ads and and corporate events and television commercials. So I've done things for for Turner and Delta and Hansen Brick and um Diageo North America um I'm um, sure. Yeah, Williams, I want people to know that, you know, you're that not just like stuff.
2: making costumes, like making cosplay costumes for people. Like you, they're doing. Yeah, I
4: know. Pro- I'd say probably seventy five percent of my business is is um, you know either film, television, commercial, or print. You know, right. and and it comes from agencies who are who are putting together you know productions and like the last two projects I did were for Verizon Wireless and um, an Auto Trader, so. Yeah,
1: you are that's very modest because I've, i we, we've had many conversations now, and I've known you for a couple of years, and I had no idea about any of that.
2: I know that's why I was going to bring it up because I knew he wanted.
1: <laughs> Will well, Sean. Hopefully, you'll be back. Uh, Definitely. We we uh, if if we can this year, if we can get a hold of Ricky and do one.
4: Yeah, I'm. am uh, trying to line it up for some time coming up soon. Hopefully, before this year's DragonCon, we'll we'll see if I can. If I can um, pin her down,
1: but regardless, you'll you'll be back on one way or the other. So we'll, definitely, we'll
4: absolutely, it. I'd love to.
1: Awesome. Well, thank you, guys. Bo, I know you've got another call.
2: Yeah, I got to get on. I, gotta, I have a, a Henson Foundation grant conversation.
1: Oh my gosh!
2: Call that I have to have. Yeah we're we're up for a we're up for a, a big big grant. Me and nice friends. Yeah. So that's like a
1: little the, important.
2: It's a little important. So and and I've been so busy that like the actual fact that I can actually be on this call. Is is pretty astounding, so I'm gonna try really hard to be on it.
1: We'll do it, man. Cool. Um yeah, thanks, Spider guys. Sean, thank you so much for being on.
3: Absolutely. Absolutely we'll thank talk you. to you guys Bye. later. Okay, sounds good. Bye guys. Bye.
0: Bye. Bye. What?
1: That's crazy. So that didn't come up in the whole conversation. Uh, that that SMP Designs, that Sean Patton has done stuff for Delta and, and for all those crazy companies, uh, Turner. That's wild, man. And then, not only that, but Mr. Bo Brown had to get off of the conversation to discuss a grant from Henson. What? What is going on? This is crazy. I, what an exciting episode. What exciting things to be happening around the episode. Uh, awesome time with awesome people and we've got lots more of it coming between now and Dragon Con so be sure to tune in to needlessthingsite.com five days a week coverage of all your pop culture needs toys, movies, music, comics everything uh, I've got lots of exciting guests that are going to be writing stuff for the site between now and Dragon Con uh, all kinds of coverage really good stuff And next week, I will be back with another edition of the Needless Things Podcast. This time, I'm going to be talking to none other than Joe Crow and Gary Mitchell, the heads of the DragonCon American Sci-Fi Classics track. I will drop yet another bomb of what I'm going to be doing at DragonCon. Guys, this is exciting stuff. I cannot wait. For DragonCon to get here. Uh, just keep tuning in. iTunes, Stitcher, blah, 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 blah. You, you know. you know. May, unless you don't know. And maybe you stumbled across this for the first time. So I'll say once again, needlessthingsite.com. And uh, look for Phantom Troublemaker at DragonCon. I'm in the app. I love you guys.
0: This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Your station for all things geek. Classic, current, and beyond. Be part of the crew at esonetwork.com.